Welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Sloth Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about, because this is my podcast, and I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun, and we'll try to stay as calm as we can, but let's get into it, and let's all have some fun listening, and you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. Okay, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now Okay, today, the content could be a little more chore for audiences, so please, as someone before listening to this video, it's mature and may be uncomfortable for some viewers. Viewer discussion is advised. Be cautious. This is more for adults or for those who get permission. 
Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ad break is now. Today is St. Patrick's Day. Okay, here we go. St. Patrick's Day is an Irish national holiday with banks, stores, and businesses closing for the day. The first St. Patrick's Day celebration in the United States was held in Boston in 1737. Shamrocks are the national flower of Ireland. The color of St. Patrick's Day was originally blue. Wearing green has become a staple of St. Patrick's Day, but the holiday was originally associated with the color blue. It's thought that the shift to green happened because of Ireland's nickname, the Emerald Isles. The green and the Irish flag and shamrock are clover. Green ribbons and shamrocks were worn as early as the 17th century. Beer is one of the most widely consumed beverage on St. Patrick's Day. So if y'all are drinking out there, make sure you have a D&D designated driver. Do not drive home. Get a Uber, a taxi, walk for all I care. But stick with people you know and do not let anyone you know drink and drive. Legend says that each leaf of the clover has a meaning. Hope, faith, love, and love. 1962 marked the first time Chicago dyed the river green for St. Patrick's Day. Genesis is one of the most popular drinks on St. Patrick's Day. Shamrocks are also very popular. There are 34.7 million U.S. residents with Irish ancestry. This number is more than seven times the population of Ireland itself. Yes, I am, I believe, I think it's 27. Yep, I'm 27% Irish. I'm Northern Irish and from Ireland. And I'm also Scottish. So The real St. Patrick was us, wasn't Irish. I'm also British. He was born in Britain around AD 390 to a Christian family. Your odds of finding a four-leaf clover are about 1 in 10,000. The world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade is held in an Irish village. It lasts only 100 yards between the village two pubs. To celebrate St. Patrick's Day, Chicago dyes the river green for a few hours. St. Patrick never got canonized by a pope, making his saintly status somewhat questionable. Let's see what else we can find on St. Patrick's Day. Maybe something we don't already know. Ooh.
Irish really eat on St. Patrick's Day? Let's see. Okay, let's see. Step away from the cornbread and cabbage and the green beer. Even if you're only Irish once a year, there are more delicious traditional ways to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. No, not much said, uh, chef, restaurant owner, and cook, author, when he asks if he corned beef and cabbage are eaten on St. Patrick's Day in Ireland, slow-cooked beef stew or lamb stew are probably the most popular served with collison soul food. We grew up in the Cork and now it's called Dublin Home. I admit she's never had green beer, but it would be nice to try it. While St. Patrick's Day takes place around the world, the festiv the, the festivities in Ireland tend to center around family as a holy day. It's a day of Ob something. Obviotation and many people begin March 17th by going to Mass. There are parades following these services, but overall it's a day spent with family and friends, cooking and enjoying big meals. Besides the stew, other popular dishes take advantage of island culinary traditions and use Seasonal ingredients. Spring lamb comes into season around St. Patrick's Day, and roasts such as leg of lamb with rosemary are popular. Pies are too, such as fish pie or genus and beef pie, which is one of McKenna's favorite. Let's not forget dessert. Chocolate butter pastry pies are frequently found on dinner tables on St. Patrick's Day. As the Guinness, many Irish will have one or maybe two during the day, and then maybe a whiskey to round out the celebration. There's also soda bread, but it's likely different than the ones your family enjoys on March 17th. The classic Irish tradition doesn't include the rays of caraway seeds that often make the right into America recipes. And McKinnon's favorite version actually uses yogurt milk, giving the bread a crumbly texture. Hmm. Oh, okay, so some people will have bangers, otherwise known as Irish sausage, beef, lamb, um, fried rice, nachos. See, I tend to eat potatoes. Okay, yes, let's check out potatoes. Enjoy Irish food at home. Let's see if we can find out where potatoes come from. Potatoes are native to Peruvian 
Balvin. It was cultivated in South America by the incest as early as 1,800 years ago. want to know where potatoes are from. The humble potato was domesticated in the South American Andes years ago. Where did potatoes first come from? Peru. Okay. Let's find out why Irish people are associated with potatoes. I don't know. That's what people say. Yes, it's right here. Okay. The Great Famine. Also called Irish Potato Famine. Great Irish Famine or Famine of 1845 through 49. Famine that occurred in Ireland in 1845 to 49 when the potato crop failed in successive years. The crop failure were caused by late light, a disease that destroys both the leaves and the roots or tubes of the potato plant. The contagious agent of later light is the water mold PHYO, no, P-H-Y-T-O-P-H-T-H-O-R-A. In Fancy, the Irish famine was the worst to occur in Europe in the 19th century. Cause of great famine in the early 19th century, Ireland tainted farmers as a classic, especially if in the west of Ireland, struggling both to provide for themselves and to supply the British market with cereal crops. Many farmers have long excited at virtual the substance level, given the small size of thinner altments and the various hardships that the land presented for farming in some regions. The potato, which had become a staple crop in Ireland by the 18th century, was applying in that it was was a hardy, nutritious, and calorie-dense crop and relatively easy to grow in the Iowa River soil. By the early 1840s, almost half the Irish population, but primarily the royal poor, had come to dependent landless known as quarries to live and work on their farms. I will be right back. I'm so sorry. I'm going to pause you. Okay, sorry about that. Do 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 do. I actually lost. <laughs> okay. The potato, which had become a staple crop. Nobody already did that. Uh, by the early 1940s, almost half of the Irish population, but primary the royal poor. We already did that. Okay. A typical cuttery family consumed about eight pounds of potatoes per person per day. I guess that's all they could eat. An amount that would probably 
provided about 80% or more of all the calories they consume, whereas the population also consume large quantities of potatoes. Well, how many potatoes do we need? But okay. A heavily, a heavily, or just one or two highlight yield types of potatoes generally reduce the genetic that originally prevented the decrement of an entire crop by disease. Thus, the Irish became vulnerable to phantom. 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 They were sick. potato famine, which is a little boring, but interesting, I guess. I don't know. In 1845, a strain of the water mold infestum, which caused light bright in potatoes, arrived in Ireland accidentally from North America. When plants became infected with it, appeared on the leaves and stem a worcester grow a spore producing surface may appear at the manner of the lesson on the underleaf surface potato tubes develop round up to 15 mm deep secondary fungus and bacteria often invaded potato tubes and produce rod and that re resulted in great loss during storage trans transition and marketing. Hot dry weather checks the spread, but oh no. Okay, but in 1845, Ireland had unusual cooling moist weather, which allowed the bee light to thrive. Much of that year's potato crops rotted in the fields. That particular crop failed, was followed by more devastation figures in 1849, 46, and 49, as each year potato crops was almost completely ruined by the bee light. Great Phantom Relief Effort The British government efforts to relieve the phantom were inadequate, although Prime Minister Sir Robert Peel continued to allow the export of Grant from Ireland to Great Britain. He didn't what he could to provide relief in 1845 and early 1846. He authorized the importance of corn from the United States, which helped some starvation. The Liberty Combat Lord John Russell which assumed power in June 1846, maintained Peel's policy regarding grain exports from Ireland, but otherwise took a lassier figure approach to the pig light of the Irish and shifted 
of relief effort to a Irish source. Much of the financial burden of providing for the starving Irish peasantry was thrown upon the Irish land owners themselves and British landowners because the peasantry was unable to pay its rent. However, the landlords soon ran out of funds with, with which to support them, and the result was that hundreds of thousands of Irish tainted farmers and laborers were evicted. During the years of the crisis, under the terms of the harsh 1834 British Poor Law enacted in 1838 in Ireland, the able-bodied injustice were sent to workhouses rather than being given farm relief per C. British associate with lighter to loans, helping the bun soup kitchen and providing employment on road buildings and other public works. The Irish disliked the important cornmeal and in it on it lend to nutritional deficiency. Despite these shortcomings, by August 1847, as many as 3 million people were receiving soup kitchen. Huh. Irish immigrants to U.S. Why do people come to the U.S. from Ireland? Let's see. Anne Gortonor 1845 to 1850 changed the landscape of the Irish community forever. In the mid-1800s, market town and small country villages formed the base of life in Ireland. The majority of people learned quickly and painfully that the land would not support them and their families, or at least not all of their families. Many made the difficult decision and left in a wave of mass immigration in the wake of the Great Famine or died from disease and hunger as a result of extreme poverty. This was to continue and indeed is still a part of the Irish life today. In the 19th century and early 20th century, the leaving of Ireland for North America was a difficult and emotional journey for all. From a rural extinction that centered on families, farming, and prayer, to live in a country that had embraced all the evidence of the industrial evolution and was developing at a fierce path, pace. Living in Ireland in the 1800s, Royal homes were usually made of, up of only two to three rooms, many with a roof of hatch and two or three front windows. Outbuildings also made of a family's holding and were often adopted to suit their needs. Many families kept pigs and cows in these outhouses. These farm buildings could also be used to store potatoes, hay, or turf. In the 1800s, many people married young and went on to have many children, making it increasingly difficult to sustain the family as it grows. The legacy of Paniel Law meant that farms holding were still very small in size and 
immigration was often the last resort in order to survive. Payment of the passage to a new life on the county of North America. For many immigrants, payment of the passage to America was the most significant event of their lives. Some who could afford to pay their own, but the majority of immigrants received the passage from a family member, usually a sibling who had already made the journey across the Atlantic, providing paving the way for younger brothers, sisters, or even parents to follow. The cost of passage in storage are a third class reminder studied at around EF between 1888 and the start of World War I. At the time, this was the equivalent of about half the yearly earnings of a laborer. Queenstown was the most particular port of departure for those leaving Ireland, though the Wonderberry did offer passage for those in the north of the country. They would wait to hear news of the ship having been cleaned for departure for Liverpool, and then would make their way by train to country court. The majority of immigrants left as teenagers or in their 20s, and many would never have needed to travel very far at all. The, the prospects of a move to America must have been monumental. I didn't realize that like they would have had a lot to deal with. Queens of the Sea. By the time the Eli's Island Immigration Station officially opened in 1892, travel had come a long way when compared to the coffin ships of the Phantom. 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 At the turn of the century, the crossing was made on steam power ocean liners with journeys from Ireland lasting six and twelve days. Storage was increasingly refuge as a third class, and in 1907, the White Star Line published its new brochure announcing in former days the accommodations considered entirely of what might be termed open, whether or not it includes goods, separate air read cabins, and the third-class passengers is better off in most respects than the, of 20 years ago, while the phantom is not more than was paid by his passage. Passengers traveled between Europe and North America had become a captive business with ocean line companies such as Connor Company, White Star and American Steamship Company, just some of those capturing for the Irish share of the market. Modern market technique was employed with glossy brochures and press advances using to promote and differentiate their onboard facilities and services. After dunking at the Hudson or East River, Third-class or storage passengers were shuttled to Ellis, Ellis Island on the ferry boats for inspection and immigrating progression due to large numbers of immigrants arriving in New York 
people often had to wait days on these ferry boats and freezing in unsuitable conditions before being able to disembark at Ellis Island. Why did Americas despise the Irish? Let's see. Refugees seeking have heaven in America were poor and disease-ridden. They started to take jobs away from Americans and strain welfare budgets. They participate in an alien religion and plead LNC to a foreign lander. They were bringing with them crime. They were accused of being, I'm not saying that, and worst of all, they use these undesirables were Irish. A phantom force and unprecedented migration, feeling a shipwreck of an island, nearly two million refugees from Ireland crossed the Atlantic to the United States in the dismay wake of the Great Hunger. Okay, we are, don't need to talk about that. We just went through this. British neglect the Irish. More than just the present was responsible for the Great Hunger. A policy system ruled by London and an economic system demonic by British landlords were co-conspirators, for British law had to power island Catholics of their rights to worship, vote, speak their language, and own land, horses and guns. Now with a phantom raging, the Irish were denied food under armed guards. Food contained to export wheat, oats, and barely to England, while Irish land starved. British landmakers were such lazy fairy capitalism that they were recount to provide government aid, less in reference with the natural course of free market to solve the humanity crisis. Ireland population was nearly half by the time the potato bee light in 1852, while approximately 1 million perished, another 2 million abandoned the land that had abandoned them in the largest single population movement of the 19th century. A mass extortion began. A boat transporting the castaways from the Westland most of the refugees were minimalized, converted cargo ships. Some had been used in the past to transport people from Africa. You know, what happened there. And we'll talk about it at a different time, what happened to those poor, poor people. And the hungry, sick passengers, many of whom spent their last pennies for transpite, were treated little better than on a 30,000-mile journey to the last and least four weeks. Hearted like livestock in dark, cramped quarters, the Irish passengers lacked suffocated food and clean water. They choked on fetid air. They were showered by experiment and vomit. Each day was a pouring just 18 inches of bed space. Children half that. Disease and death clung to the vessel like 
barnacles. The influx highest religion tension, conflict between Protestants and Catholics in the United States had already broken out in violence before the first potato plant withheld in Ireland. Anti-Catholic, anti-Irish mobs in Philadelphia destroyed houses and torched churches in the deadly Bible riot of 1844. New York, John responded by building a wall of his own around Old St. Patrick's in order to protect it from the native born population. And he sustained market wielding members of ancient order of hybrids to guard the city churches. While conspiracy theories took root, that women were held against their will in Catholic converts and their parties, nuns were assaulted. Okay, let's see if we can find some fun facts. Um, Let's cheer this up. St. Patrick's Day is on March 17th. They celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. St. Patrick was a bishop in Ireland. It is believed that St. Patrick got rid of all the snakes in Ireland. The shamrock is a symbol of Ireland. There will be lots of leprechauns. Let's see why leprechauns are associated with St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day and leprechauns. What do leprechauns have to do with St. Patrick's Day? Both St. Patrick's Day and leprechauns originated from Ireland. The leprechaun was initially red but turned green to signify association with Ireland. According to legend, spotting a leprechaun is a sign of good luck. The modern mind thinks of leprechauns as the tiny old green man of the Lucky Charm cereal box or the store of the film Leprechaun in the Hood. Few people associate the Leprechaun with Ireland, though it is among the common used symbol of the country. A Leprechaun is a mythical tiny man, tiny per, little people. It's his miniature man, so I want to say little people because I think that's more appropriate now. Uh, whose tales have been told in Irish oral stories for centuries. Irish folk tales describe leprechauns as a crotchety, social, but mischievous creature. Leprechauns were said to be shoemakers who shocked piles their profit in pots and hid them away at the end of the rainbow or scattered them among forests, melons, rocks, Initially, the creature is red, but in the 20th century, everything Irish was a sheer sheet with the green color, including leprechauns. Others believe that the leprechaun dream to blend with glass, to blend with grass and leaves as a form of camouflage. That a little person, the little, the little, it's okay, the mythical man remains exclusive to date. 
and a representative faint harmon sounds marks his presence. The poem The Leprechaun describes man's faction with the mythical creature is driven by greed, as many continue to believe that anyone who catches the leprechaun is entitled to his whole his pot of wealth, including gold. Aside from the treasure he holds, it is believed that spotting the leprechaun is a sign of good luck. St. Patrick's Day and Leprechauns. Leprechauns are associated with St. Patrick's Day because they both trace their history to Ireland. St. Patrick's Day is a celebration on March 17th to commemorate the day St. Patrick, the Panner Saint of Ireland, died. There is no direct connection between St. Patrick and the Leprechaun, apart from that they are both symbols of Ireland. Most people associate St. Patrick's Day with good deeds, drinking beer, making friends, and participating in parties and festivals. Some people wear the resembled Leprechaun and attract children seeking blessings and good luck. Modern cultures has Conjoined leprechauns and St. Patrick Day is unlikely that the relationship will end soon. Yeah, it's still going on in 2020. A leprechaun in popular cultures. The nature and the image of a leprechaun have changed over time and even sanitized from the modern audience. The mascot of breakfast cereal Lucky Charms has held improv the image of leprechauns. On the other side, the film Leprechaun created the image of a creature with bad intentions. In Ireland, leprechauns breed debate, but for most Americans, the creature only appears on St. Patrick's Day. Leprechauns offer a moral figure who warns against trying to get rich quickly by taking what is not rightfully yours at the expense of others. Green costume, it is consummary to wear... America in green clothing on St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick is believed to have used the shamrock to teach pagan Irish about the Holy Trinity through, though there is no evidence that the shamrock was scared to the locals. The history of the green color in Ireland traces back to the 11th century. According to Irish mythology, Goldie Glass, the ancestor was saved from a snake by Moses' staff. As a reminder, he retained a green mark for the rest of his life as he held his people to the land free of snakes. And that's about is all I'm going to give you. I hope you all have a great St. Patrick's Day. Be safe. Think safe. Have a great day. Okie dokie, artichoke. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today and the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey.
Okie dokie, artichokie. Power break, it's now. I hope you all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.